Welcome, ladies and gents, to the Danger Room, the X-Men Comics Commentary Podcast. My name's Adam. My name is Jeremy. And we're here to discuss the Uncanny X-Men number 160. That would be the August 1982 issue. On sale May 11th of 1982. And this one's titled, Shoots and Ladders. As opposed to the other name that they were going to go with, Connect Four. Uh, Monopoly. <laughs> uh, uh, aggrega- aggravation. What? You're not, a... <laughs> you're not familiar with the game that is aggra- Aggravation? No. Oh, well, it's a good game. It's, it's kind of a long Operation. Sh- Operation, yes. It's kind of a long shot, but it's the only thing I could think of. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, I've never heard of it. but Trouble. I'll believe you. <laughs> no. Uh, uh, no, I had one. No, I forgot it. Um, well. Boggle. Sorry. Boggle. Boggle. Come on. <laughs> it's a game. <laughs> it's <like> a nice game. <laughs> all right, fine. <laughs> on the cover of this issue, you have um, almost all of the X-Men. Cyclops not there, but uh, Wolverine, Nightcrawler, Colossus, Storm, and Kitty Pride are all on the cover. Uh, and they're in some kooky, kooky place uh, where there's like demon walls, sort of. And there's a giant... I don't know, demon hand uh, holding them down. And what's interesting about this demon hand is you can tell he's married because he's got a he's got a wedding band on. Well, I don't know. He's got, he's only, oh yeah, he does have five fingers. I didn't see the fourth finger there. So, I mean, it's on the right, it's on the left hand on the, on the ring finger. So, I mean, he's, he's a taken man, whoever this giant guy is. Nightcrawler is standing on the logo mm-hmm. and his shadow, he casts a shadow over it. He does. Wouldn't that, you know, surprise him? <laughs> oh, there's a logo here. It says X-Men. That's us. How long has this been here? Why don't we use this more often? Yeah, and uh, Wolverine's not really doing much. It looks like he's maybe scratching the guy's uh, finger, <laughs> but that's about it. He's kind of like moving him aside. Excuse me, bub. I was standing here. <laughs> yeah, let's open this thing up. Um, well, Inside Shoots and Ladders here is written by Chris Claremont. <clears throat> Pencils are provided by Brent Anderson. Who the hell? Fill in artist. Uh, I think he's done issues before. He has. Uh, Bob Wiesack is doing the inks. Uh, Tom Orzachowski lettering. Glennis Ween on colors. Luis Jones is the editor. And Jim Shooter is the editor in chief. I bet he did an annual. Probably. And uh, the caption here, which honestly just covers the whole issue for me. And one of the things that I like so much about this issue. I, have I mentioned how much I like this issue, Adam? You did have. You mentioned it last episode, and uh, I'm I'm curious to find out why. Well, it's uh, it's somewhere and some when else, and that just sets everything up perfectly. <laughs> I don't I don't like that it starts with for the uncanny X Men. However, it isn't a game, which I guess is referring to Shoots and Ladder, the title. No, I never, I, I didn't read that. It's much <laughs> it's better. It's kind of hidden up there. Yeah, it's much better if you don't read that piece. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's a, a dude, presumably the same guy that's on the cover, but we don't know yet. He's monitoring the X-Men on like a demon computer. It's not even really a computer, but it's a screen. 
And uh, he's got like this pendant that's got a five-sided star with some red dots all around it. And he's observing these X-Men, who, by the way, are still at Magneto's little Atlantis base. The ring is no longer on his ring finger. Well, we can only see this one hand. This, uh, we, we can't see his ring finger entirely. But yes, you're right. There's a, finger, a, a ring now on his index finger, it looks like. Well, I'm assuming that's his left hand. Yeah, yeah. It's hard to tell. That seems like a thumb. Yeah. Uh, uh, are there five uh, red stones on this thing, or are those five divots where the stones go? It's a difficult Just... thing to say, Adam. I- I'm going to say that there are five divots. Okay. Well, that would make more sense. <laughs> I don't know. It's it's poorly poorly drawn and poorly colored. It, it does actually look like there's ink blobs, but we'll find out later. Maybe Brent Anderson did the, the Marvel, uh, or shouldn't Marvel, the Avengers annual? He, he may have done an Avengers Annual number 10, yeah. He seems really familiar. He owes me money. <laughs> well, the X-Men, uh, they are practicing uh, uh, as they do. Colossus is uh, launching a, um, a fastball special over to Storm, and uh, the guy that's monitoring him is like, what's going on here? Why are they attacking each other? In the first panel, um, Lorna Dane is visiting. Um, no, that's not Lorna Dane. Well, in the first panel on the first page. No, oh, I see. In the in the X-Men costume? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It does look like it could be Lorna Dane. There is a woman with green hair there, but she quickly well, just... Disip- you can see her face, and she's got green hair. She quickly... I mean, obviously, Kitty, but... Well, yeah. Or, or maybe uh, Kitty tagged her out. <laughs> so, yeah. They're practicing, um, they're, and uh, finally the guy realizes, whoever this dude is, he's like... Oh, I see. They're just they're just honing their mutant abilities, <laughs> like one does. Is that uh, is that the voice you're gonna go with? <laughs> it's the first thing that came. So yeah, he seems <laughs> when we see him, he seems like a fancy guy. <laughs> okay, seems like the kind of guy that would like to go to the club a lot. Well, he knows a lot about the X Men. He he is able to recite all of their powers. Well, he is from somewhere and some when else. So in the manner of moments he may have been able to view them for years we don't know i don't think he does because he thinks they're fighting oh that's right (laughs) you're right he would know that that key piece of them Hmm. maybe he's just not very attentive (laughs) well he he does realize that the girl that uh, we've seen in the foreground her name is ilana and and he calls for her ilana and uh, did did we determine that it was iliana oh right i'm uh, it's gonna be a hard habit for me to break (laughs) <laughs> I believe, yes. Ileana is how it's supposed to be pronounced. Uh, and Ileana, she's a Muppets fan. She's got a Fozzie Bear doll, which is kind of cool. Which she's had in a previous issue. Oh, did she? Okay. Yeah. Um, and she's speaking uh, English here, which is weird. But I guess maybe the professor taught her English. But I thought it was uh, uh, detailed earlier that the professor taught all of them Russian so they could communicate with her. Well, in the next page, uh, Kitty calls to her. And she's speaking Russian. Yeah, so this I think they missed some translation brackets here. But anyways, this guy's calling for her, and, and she's like, Did someone call me? <laughs> I don't know if that's good, but we're going to go with it for now. What's it was I, little one, a friend, coming to me, child. A grand and glorious destiny awaits you. La-di-da. It was I, little one. You did it wrong, Adam. <laughs> I, I'm I'm doing my own thing. <laughs> oh. I don't I don't think I can do what you did. <laughs> All right. Oh, but shouldn't I tell Piotr Nikolaevich? No. Go ahead. No. 
No, no, no I, I don't want to ruin Adam. Tell no, no one. No, I, I liked the voice you did. I oh. just can't do it. Tell no one, Ilana. Just follow my voice to paradise. It's kind of like your arcade, your initial arcade voice. I only, I have a very limited uh, <laughs> bag of voices, Adam. You really have to use your imagination when it comes to, to the voices that I can do. Well, Kitty notices that uh, Ilyana is leaving, and uh, she's like, hey, I better go check this out. So she does start talking in Russian, and we actually get a notation here that is being translated for Russian, uh, and she goes after Ilyana. And what seems to be happening is that uh, she doesn't seem to be that far away, so Kitty takes a shortcut by phasing through a wall. But even when she gets through the wall, she sees that Ilyana is, like, really far away, and she's like, whoa, she's moving fast. And she is heading into a pitch-dark temple... Um, which I guess is pointed out later that the X-Men really have not explored Magneto's Island yet. She's saying it right so. here. She's, she's like, man, we haven't really, we haven't really had a chance to look around this place. So, yeah, this is, a, this is, I mean, they've been here for what months. It seems like you think they would have explored the giant temple or I guess not. Or at the very least, you think Colossus would have laid down some ground rules for Ileana been like, look, uh, a little snowflake, you can go here and you can go here, but you cannot go anywhere else. Well, she's being called to by a mysterious voice, so who knows how much, like, total control over herself she has. Or she's just a dis- disrespectful little girl. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm going to go with subtle manipulation. Oh, sure, sure, sure. Or maybe she's, you know, stranger danger. She's... The, the the voice sounds very nice. Well, it sounds like this. So she's like, I'm in for some fun. <laughs> <laughs> well, so Kitty's calling around in Russian, and she steps onto a lighted disc, and she's zapped away. Araro, Peter, anyone help me? Meanwhile, back at the workout, that workout gave me a powerful thirst. Anyone else want a brew? Wolverine opens up a brew with his claw. Hooray! Uh, Storm is really sweaty. She has been really sweaty in the past. Um, I don't know. They really like making Storm sweaty. <laughs> well, there's a very good reason for that, Adam, which we will find out very shortly. <laughs> uh, but but uh, uh, Nightcrawler points out, he's, he's like, You're pushing yourself too hard. It's barely been a day since your battle with Dracula. So... That's interesting. It's only been a day. So this is presumably the next day? Yeah. Well, yeah, I would hope so. Although, are they taking into account, like, the international dateline? I mean, where does that fall when you're dealing with the the Atlantis base? Well, that's why he said barely a day. He's not entirely sure. (laughs) Yeah. Well, perhaps a shower will make you feel better. And we know what Nightcrawler's thinking. Like, you you should take a shower. Hey, well, hey, hey, guys. No, I, think, I think, yeah, I think Nightcrawler is thinking you should go to the bathroom. Oh, no. He knows Storm too well. He's like, hey, guys, uh, don't you think Storm should take a shower? Yeah, Futzer, <laughs> take a shower. Duh, comrade. Right. I understand. Yes, she's like, oh, that's a great idea. And you think, like, I'm going to head off to the bathroom and take a private little shower. But no, not our Storm. She's having a little trouble creating a storm, and then after some time, she's able to do it using some concentration. There's some nice panels of a close-up of her. So, uh, so while this is kind of goofy, this is this is a weird page. Uh, this is a weird page because 
For one thing, it it shaped how I thought adults who hung out together in a superhero group would be. That last part doesn't make any sense. But it shaped how I thought a bunch of adults who are close friends would be, right? So she's just like, I'm going to take a shower. She she whips up a storm. Boom, she's naked. She's showering. She's like, oh, my God, this feels so great. Does anybody want to join me in my shower? And Wolverine's like, yeah, sounds good to me, darling. Now, not in a sexual way, I, I don't think anyways. I think Wolverine's like, yeah, that sounds good, a shower. So as a child growing up, I was like, oh, man, I can't wait till I'm like 25 and all my female friends want to take showers with me and, you know, the rest of my friends, I guess. That doesn't happen? Uh, no, I guess I either it either doesn't happen or I have the wrong friends. Yeah, you got the wrong friends. <laughs> Dude, I shower with chicks all the time. I see him. I don't, at, even, I don't even know him half the time. They're like, "You want to shower with me?" Uh, yeah, I guess I I don't get out of the house all that much. Well, if we uh, if we analyze her, what she says, she she's not inviting them into her space. She's inviting them to shower, and she will expand the storm to where they are. Well, absolutely, of course. But it's 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 in my opinion, it's this. It would be the same as like. A, a locker room, you know, well, a co-ed lo- locker room of people. Yeah, it's a co-ed locker room. A co-ed shower room, to, to be more specific. Like, yes, they are not, like, chest-to-chest taking a shower. There's there's bubble personal space and all that sort of stuff. What I find strange is that in one panel she has clothes, and in the next panel she doesn't have clothes, and then in a later panel she says, Kurt, can my can you hand me my cloak, please? So apparently she took it off. Okay, this whole sequence, uh, it either was poorly written or there was some Marvel method stuff that went wrong here. So we get this big, long shower thing, uh, which we've addressed. And then we move on, and she's like, yes. She's like, can I get my cloak? Which you're right. I mean, haven't we established that she can just zap it on, zap it off? But then she goes on to say, uh, yeah, I I guess uh, I don't really know um, where Kitty is. Um, and we haven't had a chance to fully explore this place, so why don't you go find them? I will be with you as soon as I'm dressed. Gotcha, boss. The very next panel, <laughs> Storm's with them. Anything? <laughs> like, couldn't you have been like, hey, man, I'll be dressed in like a minute, and then we can all go head out? <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, that, that's, that's, yeah, it's not good pacing, I suppose. The pacing, she, it just doesn't... But this, this means that she just did a striptease. <laughs> oh, so you don't think she zapped her costume off? You think she just like ripped it off, like stripper style, and threw it at Nightcrawler? Or is the cloak separate from the costume? Maybe. Oh, maybe that's no. what it is. Because she's not wearing the cloak in any of the panels after the battle. You're right. So she must have taken off the cloak, made her costume disappear, and she just needs to put on the cloak, and that's why she appears so quickly. <laughs> maybe. I'll be with Problem you. Problem solved. I'll be with you as soon as I'm dressed. Okay, I'm dressed. Let's go. <laughs> All right, well, anyways, uh, uh, Wolverine's got a solid fix on Ilyana. Kitty's tracks fades in and out. Figures she was using her phasing trying to cut the kid's lead. Well, that's interesting. So Wolverine cannot sense uh, Kitty when she's phasing. Yeah, it totally makes sense for me. I'm, I'm happy with that explanation. I wonder uh, if that... We're going to hold on to that and see if it's ever uh, <laughs> broken. I honestly don't know if it ever does get broken. But yeah, we'll, we'll hold on to that little nugget. 
Uh, they get to the spot, presumably, where they were beamed away, or where Kitty was beamed away anyways. And Wolverine says the trail stops here. And uh, they get some of those similar yellow lights uh, that appeared, yellow circles that appeared under Kitty, and it beams all of them away. And one of them, Nightcrawler is upside down, and yeah. he, he still gets a light. There's teleport little portals up uh, on the ceiling, on the floor, anywhere. By the white wolf, says Colossus for the first time in a teleporter. <laughs> and we are now elsewhere. And we may or may not be elsewhere, I'm not sure, but we're definitely elsewhere. <laughs> Where am I? So You're elsewhere. She, Didn't you read the caption? Yeah. Kitty, just look above you. I mean, your partner, Nightcrawler, was walking on the title earlier. You can clearly read that up there. She's in kind of, she's in demon world is the best way to explain it. Kind of looks like uh, a poor man's H.R. Uh, Geiger, Geiger, however you pronounce his name, with some torches. Yes. I've always pronounced it Geiger. Okay. We're going to go with Geiger. But to each his own. We're probably wrong. <laughs> um, and then she reasons to herself, I must, uh, um, the light must have been a teleport disc, blah, blah, blah. Just like in Larry Niven's Stepping Discs from some science fiction novel that I've never read. <laughs> and that's when we see some familiar yellow eyes in the background. Kitty turns around and she's, the voice says, looking for someone, Captain. And then things get weird. No, not really. I mean, yes, they do, but. For a kid's comic book, I feel like this was okay. Nightcrawler is clearly copying a feel. Well, but you got to build... And they don't even try to disguise it. you got to build up to it, though, Adam. I mean, she's like, oh, yeah, oh, she's she's scared, and she's like, oh, my God, Nightcrawler's you. I'm so glad to see you, man. How did we get here? Do you know where Lana is, or how do we get home? And Hey, what are you doing? Don't you touch me like that. Who do you think you are? What kind of person do you think I am? And she phases, and that's when, when it's made perfectly clear where Nightcrawler's hand was, because it goes right through her back. So... I, I get what you're saying, Adam, and I'll be, uh, when I read this comic book, I was probably 11 or 12 years old, maybe even younger. I might've been like 10 or 11, but anyways, uh, rather than me being like, Ooh, that's, you know, hot or Ooh, that's boobies or anything like that. I was like, I was like, I I'm reading, I'm reading an adult comic, not, not like a pornographic, but I'm reading a comic book that is not, um, writing down to me it's like it seems like it's actually written for somebody who's older and yet i'm able to understand the concept and 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 all that i agree with that it's just to this point the comic has not gone this direction so yeah it's 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 out of it just seems a little out of place i don't have a problem with it going there i just it doesn't feel consistent with what we've seen before it breaks new ground but i you know i i honestly feel that well and i think we'll see as as the series progresses uh it grows up and so this is just a small step in its growing up right it can't all just be like trapping characters in like oversized bird cages and <laughs> maniacal laughing right so, <laughs> well i mean i guess it could be but that'd be kind of boring but so we find out uh, we, we get a finally we get a full glimpse at nightcrawler who who definitely has tried to grab some boob and it is a nightcrawler that's in like a torn purple tunic and he's got like some ceremonial necklace type thing going on here 
and he's get away from me, you're not Nightcrawler. Well, this is a diff. This is a definitely a different Nightcrawler because he says, "Liebling, you sounded so shocked. Didn't you just say you were glad to see me? I was merely giving you an opportunity to prove it." So this is, oof, creepy. And he even says, uh, "Oh, but I am Nightcrawler. You have nothing to fear but your own desires." So yeah, super creepy. Yeah, and so us as the readers, like, what's going on? This is crazy. And uh, so she runs, she trips over a skeleton, and she lands at the feet of a dude who says, Welcome, child. My name is Belasco. All right, I got a problem with this. Um, <laughs> yeah. Hey, if you're Kitty and you're running, don't you just phase out of habit and therefore not trip over anything? I look at it like this, Adam. I mean, you're probably right. I mean, that's probably what she should be doing when she's in panic mode. But I think that it, it would be like uh, it, it takes a certain amount of her uh, strength to maintain a phased state. So if she's always phasing, it would be like uh, she'd be burning a lot of calories and she would get really tired really easily. So she's got to conserve her phasing ability. And the second point, which I, I think you also recognize, is her head is right in Belasco's crotch. Uh, Adam, I gotta be honest. I mean, now that you point it out, it is, that's pretty dirty. But I've never <laughs> noticed that before. I mean, I obviously noticed that her head was, I mean, like she had tripped and she was bent down in front of him, but uh, I I had never, I mean, yeah, you're right. It's like his tunic is open too. Brent Anderson is a filthy. <laughs> no, Adam, you're filthy. Really? You think it's just me? <laughs> it's just you, because I've read this comic book like four times, and I've never made that. Uh, I, I will never be able to read this comic book the same way. Um, that doesn't mean it's not there. <laughs> <laughs> I just never saw it like that. I wish I could unsee it. <laughs> well, anyways. So uh, Storm and Colossus, they are they are happy to have been teleported next to each other, and uh, they're walking around. She's using some ball lightning to illuminate uh, the area that they're in. There's a whole bunch of other teleportation circles nearby them, so these things are just consistently there. Mm-hmm. Colossus finds an armlet on the ground, and he picks it up and gives it to Storm, who puts it on. Like, all of those things are also strange. Why would I mean, it's certainly it's one thing for Colossus to be like, look, there's an armlet on the ground, but then he goes and picks it up and gives it to Storm, who's like, oh, an armlet, and she puts it on. Like, why did all those things happen? Well, she puts it on because it seems strangely familiar to her, even though she says she's never seen it before. Uh, so she's sort of drawn to it. I guess, yeah, all right. I'm gonna We can put a pin in that one. I, I, I think I can come up with an explanation for it. Um, uh, Colossus isn't so much worried about Kitty. He's like, she could take care of herself. It's Alana. She's just a child. Well, Kitty could take care of herself last issue before we were in pervert land. <laughs> well, true. Um, so, let's see. She flies up. Why does she fly up? Because she knows how to fly and, you know, that's what you do. All right. So she flies up in the air and as she does, she is uh, yanked away by a bunch of tentacles. Yeah. The tentacles are pulling her towards like this pseudopod thing. Colossus runs towards her, and he gets he steps on one of those teleport discs, and he's teleported away. And we know in the anime world, tentacles are also filthy, so... <laughs> yes. Good old Japanese tentacle porn. Then this weird thing happens to Storm. She turns into an amalgam of Nightcrawler, Colossus, and Wolverine. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, she gets Colossus's skin, Wolverine's claws, and Nightcrawler's feet. Mm-hmm. Interesting. It is. And so she uses those different powers of hers to uh, cut herself free. Well, she really just uses Wolverine's powers to cut herself free, but whatever. Well, I guess she needs the um, skin because the the creature has acid uh, venom. Mm. So it was like it was burning her before. Uh, Monster skin exudes acid searing through my costume, burning me. Okay, so she escapes. Um, and when she, yeah, she escapes, uh, still an amalgam. A nice touch if she teleported away. Oh, she also has Nightcrawler's tail. Yeah, somehow Nightcrawler's physical traits help her. We just don't know how. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, uh, Kitty has been uh, put into a big chunk of what looks like quartz. It's actually a crystal that has a natural jamming field. So it is constantly generating, I don't know, vibrations or something. So she can't phase through it. Makes her escape virtually impossible. Uh, She refers to the uh, pervy Nightcrawler as uh, Belasco's pet demon. And he's kind of taunting Ilana. Ilyana. Again, creepy. Would you like to play with me, little snowflake? Even Belasco is kind of creeped out. He's like, oh, my God. Be gone with you. Be gone with you. And <laughs> he bams him away. He forces him to teleport away. We get a, uh introduction to Belasco. And without the voice, I can say <laughs> that he is a sorcerer, a chief disciple of the Dark Ones, elder gods who seek to invade and conquer the plane of reality. Uh, sounds pretty H.P. Lovecraft. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, recently, by your time, I tried to open the gateway between their dimension and ours, but was defeated as punishment. I was condemned to this interdimensional limbo. Um, and then it says, see Kazar's 11 and 12, to which again makes me think, wish that I was reading Kazar, because that, that just sounds like an awesome storyline. <laughs> you got Belasco, you got him trying to like bring the Elder Gods into the the Savage Land and... Kazar has to stop him, probably while riding a shark. <laughs> Flying shark, even. Yeah. Um, so is this the same limbo that Carol Danvers was sent to? I don't think so. Okay. This, uh, this, this limbo that we are in is H.R. Gigerland. It's just a limbo, not the limbo. Yes. Wait, is there a the limbo in uh, the Marvel Universe? Because I always thought there was. Probably. <laughs> okay. But this is somewhere, somewhere. So Belasco is like, uh, hey, yo, I want you to meet my friend Sim. Sim, stand forth. I believe that's Sim. I like to call him Sim, though. <laughs> I know he likes to be referred to as Sim, but that's just too much for me to say. <laughs> Good eye, boss. So he's from Australia. What happened to the midget? The last time Sim saw him, he had meat on his adamantium bones. Pity. Sim wanted Wolverine for himself. So tell me, boss, who do you want killed? So this is kind of cool. The skeleton that Kitty tripped on originally turns out to actually be the body, the skeleton of Wolverine. And Sim has picked off one of Wolverine's claws and is now picking his teeth with it. Which would imply that Sim is very strong. Well, right. And, and again, we're bouncing back and forth between adamantium and adamantium laced. Here we say adamantium bones. Well, yes. However, regardless, irregardless, that's still, that's still pretty, still still pretty strong. I mean, 
maybe maybe the adamantium is old or something. I oh, no, you old brittle? Yeah, maybe could be. No, I, I just say that because in previous issues we, we were bouncing back and forth between laced and actual adamantium bones. That's all. Well, yeah, but I, I don't, I don't, you know, this is some demon dude. He doesn't know anything. <laughs> oh, okay. He can get away with saying adamantium bones without it being something that I care about. Yeah, but I look at this skeleton and it doesn't look adamantium laced to me. It just looks like a set of bones. Well, it looks to me like a set of bones laced with adamantium. I mean, what does that look like? Oh, I, I imagine know. it looks like a skeleton, but with some sort of shiny metal on it. Uh, haven't you seen some of the the the, the pictures of that like when they do like scans of wolverine they'll have like it's basically like little strips of adamantium that that lace his bones really yeah so it's not like his bones are coated in adamantium i don't think i ever noticed that huh well i'll point it out okay in like 200 issues i can't wait (laughs) (laughs) so m have you no shame or respect for the dead poor kitty does the sight of wolverine skeleton distress you how would you like to look at your own because i can do that for you (laughs) Uh, yeah, he pulls her skeleton out of her body and, and yeah, she, she freaks out. I just want to, I just want to, child screams. I just want to let you know that the Eldritch Crystal aided by my magics now is the only thing that's allowing you to stay whole. So you're going to have to stay there for a while. And And now he speaks to Ileana in Russian. Which I can't do. (laughs) But. (laughs) Well, that's okay. (laughs) The gist of it is. He gives her the pendant that we saw earlier, the five-sided pendant. Yes, and he, he says the medallion is empty now, so they were divots. And when you have grown into a woman and learned in full measure the arts of the arcane, when at last all five bloodstones are in their proper place, you will ascend to a glorious destiny. I feel like the bloodstones are a thing in the Marvel Universe that, like the... Uh, Bands of Sidorak is constantly changing a little bit. Uh, I don't well, think there's just one blood set of bloodstones. I think there's other bloodstones. Well, they're very well. They're very well could be. And I, honestly, I don't know uh, how far Ileana takes the bloodstones, but I know that other things happen to her, and she's like constantly changing. But that's a story for another day. Yeah. Anyhow. Uh, up above, perched above them, is Nightcrawler, who's like, "What's that evil doppelganger of myself and Wolverine is bare bones and Kitty's horribly imprisoned? I'm so mad. <laughs> this really sucks. <laughs> I feel like I've fallen headlong into hell. And what of Colossus and Storm? Am I alone? No matter. My friends will be avenged, Necromancer. And your plans foiled, whatever the cost. Night Scrawler swears. Oh. So Storm awakens. She's elsewhere now, and uh, she's naked, covered only by a white blanket. She's not creeped out by that at all. She's just like, wow, this is awesome. And there's a swimming pool over there. I'm going to go swimming naked because that's what all I my, do. All my burns are healed, so that's pretty cool. And so she goes over to her costume, which we know she can magically zap on and off, but it's ruined. So does she have just... Does she just have one set of uh, costume that she can magically zap on and off? That's, yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Everything that I said earlier was wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Well, anyway, she does find kind of like a tribal outfit. It's uh, some yellow boots, uh, yellow loincloth, and a yellow bra. She's not wearing much right now. She jumps to a conclusion that whoever 
provided her the band, the armlet that has allowed her to transform into her friends, also brought her here, and also provided her with these clothes. Uh, it's, it's it's a big stretch. How do I mean? How it do just we, so happens she's right, but I how do you how do you go from one to the other? How do we know that the armlet was the thing that allowed her to transform into her friends? Uh, she says, let's see. But what power can mold and shape me in the blink of an eye as if I was little more than a lump of sculptor's clay? It was terrifying, yet I cannot de- deny that the transformation saved me. Um, this clay well, is beautiful and as hauntingly infuriating familiar as the armlet Peter found. So the armlet's referenced in the same kind of paragraph, yeah. but it's not like, oh, it must be the armlet. Okay, well, uh, I think there's I jumped a, to that conclusion, but I, I uh, think she I, still jumps to another conclusion. Sure, I, I think that there's another explanation which we'll we'll talk about when we get there. But yes, you're right. Okay. So she finds this this kind of this outfit, and she jumps to the conclusion that her savior must be a woman because uh, there are bikini clothes laying around. Right, and and yet the costume is a perfect fit. Which, if I was Storb, I would think that whoever left it there left it there for her. Right, so it could be a dude who's just like did some measurements while she was sleeping, <laughs> and put this together for her. She puts on an amulet, and she's like, "Boy, I put I put this amulet down without even thinking about it, but it feels so right. Huh? My benefactress means, uh, must have meant it for me. Must be a weapon against uh, my foe." Ah, she so thanks sort of right. <laughs> she thanks her friend that she can't see. If possible, I shall return what I have taken. Perhaps then we will meet. Farewell. And then... You're not Windrider, says her friend. <laughs> Lurking in the We shall meet, goddess. Help us both. So, so. It, it's possible that this is just some pervert who took off all of her clothes and is just like, oh my God, I can't wait for her to put that on. It's going to be so sexy when she does. <laughs> I My guess at this point was that it was Kitty. Uh... What? But we know Kitty's in the crystals. Well, yeah, but there are two Nightcrawlers, and there's obviously going to be two Wolverines, because Wolverine can't be dead. Okay. Well, so you, I, 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 you know, I just guessed that it was Kitty. It's not a stretch. Uh, even in the next panel, which some clues are dropped here, which I'll be honest, I, I mean, after you read the issue, you're like, oh, of course. Uh, but there's a woman here who's standing who's wearing kind of a cloak. She's got an armlet. She's got an amulet holding her cloak together. And she's like, I'll help you save the X-Men. So I can understand, like, on your initial read, you'd be like, oh, it's Kitty. Old Kitty is saving everybody. That's cool. But we don't know this yet. We don't know anything yet. And that's when we get the Battle of the Nightcrawlers. And uh, we get get some some German. The good Nightcrawler, he says, Schurke. Schurke, villain. (laughs) Which means... Villain. Well, it means villain. Right, we get the classic, I'm going to say the same thing in German and then English. And evil Nightcrawler says, Was ist du? Whoops. Was ist du? Unmöglichen. 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 And that means? Unmöglichen. I don't have a good English translation there. Oh, there wasn't? No, the the translation is... The translation. Here, there's this. This is, it must be a form of this. Unmöglich. Unmöglich, which means... Impossible. Yeah. Oh, uh, there was a typo. Oh, yeah. There, there was a typo in the, early, uh, in the earlier one. Anyways, 
Und Malglichen. That's okay. one that we don't see very often. Yeah. Anyways. It's a good one. So they they fight a little bit. They do. Nightcrawler does drop some plot here. Uh, he's like, uh, uh, you are not me. Dolt, I am you. I came here with the X-Men to rescue Kitty and Ilana. I saw my friends slaughtered. I was wounded unto death, but Belasco spared me, healed me. He showed me the glory of evil. So... So this is this is Nightcrawler, presumably. Whoa, it's like some kooky time loop thing, man. Seems like it. Wait a minute, though. But this these events that Nightcrawler, evil Nightcrawler explains, hasn't yet happened to good Nightcrawler. Or wouldn't evil Nightcrawler be like, I was attacked by an evil Nightcrawler who... Actually, I guess I am now the evil Nightcrawler that attacked you that set this whole thing... In, oh, we should sit down and talk about this. <laughs> this is This is deep. It's heavy. Well, somewhere, somewhere doesn't work like that. Oh. <laughs> nope, because good, well, they both teleport. But Bamf, they get, and they both disappear. Not just Bamf. Bamf, Bamf. Double Bamf. Double Bamf, yo. So if we had a drink from a listener called a Bamf, we could potentially make a double Bamf. Oh, of but course. no one sent one yet. Yeah. I said. <laughs> there you go. The call is out there, dear listeners. We need a Bamf. Well, a little later on, uh, Belasco is like, I did not summon you, Nightcrawler. Uh, Nightcrawler. I bring news, my lord. I was attacked by an X-Men. I killed him. Have I not served you well, master? So bad Nightcrawler killed good Nightcrawler. All right. Take care, demon. I possess your soul. Tempt fate again, and I'll have your heart as well. (laughs) Whatever. (laughs) And now uh, we finally change over to our scene to Wolverine, who is in fact not dead. Ooh, I was worried. But he stumbles upon a colossus that is very dead. Oh, Petey Opel, his chest caved in, but those remains are ancient, and his face, his hair. He was an old man when he died. Uh, my, sense- my senses tell me this is really colossus. No fake, no trick. How could that be? Good eye, shrimp. And I, I like this. I really like this two-panel thing. And, and I, I have to imagine that Brent Anderson did this with purpose, right? So the first panel is a chest caved in by what could be a, a fist. And the next panel is kind of like a redone drawing of that. But it's Wolverine who's getting punched in the chest by Sim, which probably says that Sim was the guy who punched Colossus in the chest to cause that cavity uh, cave-in in the first place. Doesn't quite work on... Wolverine, though, and Sim is only able to rip off his shirt. Oh, yeah. Belasco. An example of Sim's handiwork. Not bad, eh? What is you're a pretty rough and little tough hoser yourself, shrimp. That's right, bub. (laughs) Wolverine jumps in for the kill, but gets smacked across the head. Sim is weird. He's got, he's like a big old purple, I don't know, troll dude. He's got a tiny little vest, and he's got little shorts okay his character design does not make any sense right <laughs> we, we can uh, he, he as a character is fine right he's a demon or something right um so his monster design is fine the fact that he's got little shorts on that's fine it's a comic book we don't want to have like demon di- din- ding ding dingo stick out <laughs> yes uh we don't want to have that hanging around while he's punching up x-men and stuff but the little vest is kind of stupid because <laughs> it, it serves no purpose, right? It's not armor. It's not like holding on some weapons. It's just a 
decorative little tiny vest. It also doesn't fit. It's like, I found this vest on a little tiny guy that I beat to death. Now, <laughs> what would, was cute. <laughs> what would have been cool or interesting is if he was maybe wearing like the remains of Wolverine's costume in a little tiny vest. <laughs> then it would be like a trophy, like, oh, good day, I got this from your corpse. Dingo ate my baby. <laughs> well, he's about to smush Wolverine and he brings his foot down with a mighty thoom, but a teleport disc appears and Sa'im lets us know, Oi, those teleport circles, they can be a royal pain. They appear without warning, rhyme or reason, and transport a body not only through space, but time as well. The wrong could be anywhere, any when. Uh, who, who am I talking to right now? Because <laughs> the only person here was Wolverine. All right, I guess. Been, I've been with Blasco too long. Uh, so he is anywhere, any when. He is, in fact, somewhere, somewhen. <sighs> That's deep. <laughs> Well, Colossus appears and he's like, if you seek a foe villain, try me. That corpse is me. Oh. <laughs> I, I, I wonder if this is the point in the comic book where I get punched and I turn into that. Because <laughs> then there's two of me over there. And then, whoa. Well, Sim pulls out, this is weird. So Sim pulls out the claw, which was in his little underwear. And it kind of looks like it was down the front of his underwear. Yeah, why is he keeping it there? <laughs> I mean, you that have seems to, like a really bad idea. You have to imagine that this thing is probably really, really sharp. Oh, it don't matter. Sim don't got nothing down there. I'm as smooth as a Ken doll. <laughs> Doesn't explain why I'm wearing the undies, though. <laughs> I just like him as all. The only reason I have these undies is so I can hold small trinkets. <laughs> like this claw that I'm going to throw at you. So he throws it at Colossus. And it sticks in his shoulder. Fack. One of Wolverine's claws. It penetrated my armored form. The creature's strength is beyond belief. I mean, I should know it. That's my chest caved in over there. <laughs> Guessing this monster did it. So, well, he pulls the claw out. And uh, Sim goes in to uh, choke him. And he's about to uh, bash Colossus's head together, I guess. Scott, Cyclops taught me how to fight. His grip tightening cannot grain. Popper leisure, leverage to break free. I fear Scott's efforts may have been for naught. Yeah! Good day. <laughs> and that's when Wolverine stabs him in the butt. Snicked. Hi there, remember me? So, uh, that's a little handy that he was teleported away. And then I guess he must have, has he just been like hopping from teleport disc to teleport disc until he got to this point? Because we just established that these teleport discs can go anywhere and any when. Well, it, it teleported him down the hall. <laughs> oh, well, that's handy. So uh, Sim's like, well, what are you doing here? And he goes to attack Wolverine, and there's a big fight. And it just looks like Wolverine is hacking and slashing the crap out of Sim's chest. And it turns out that Wolverine hasn't even dim damaged Sim's little vest. <laughs> you think he'd at least slash the vest? Cripes, he ain't even scratched. You think when he stabbed him in the butt, it would have at least torn his little shorts? You would think so, but well, he's got Wolverine over his head, and Colossus does a side kick and kicks Sim onto a teleport circle. And bon voyage, comrade Sim. And he's teleported away, and uh, that's when a woman appears. It's the same woman that uh, peeped in on uh, Storm's little naked swimming. 
excursion. Uh, and Wolverine reveals that it was the lady that whose magic brought Wolverine back oh. to Colossus and Sim. Got it. Well, that makes more sense. Her scent. I know it. But that's impossible. Logan It's has... not possible. <laughs> it can't be. Logan has recognized me and is appropriately confused. He will learn the truth soon enough, I fear. And if my scent didn't give me away, must my, my voice might. Your friends have need of you. <laughs> hey, I know you. She, she disguises her voice. Oh. Your friends have need of you. <laughs> I shall send you to them now. Wait a minute, lady. lady. What about you? Never mind. <laughs> Uh, and that's when they are teleported into Belasco's little place. And they say Kitty. And it's kind of cute. Kitty's in the crystal. And Kitty's skeleton is now turned around, facing the X-Men, waving at them, which is kind of funny. Hi, guys. <laughs> I'm Kitty's skeleton. And that's when evil Nightcrawler reveals himself to be good Nightcrawler and punches Belasco. Punch. And, uh, and teleports away. And teleports away. Um, because Storm flies in and says, Kurt, away from him, and then she blasts with a with a blast of lightning, and Belasco says, but this is a young and vital peak of her elements, Storm. You have me at a disadvantage, X-Men. I'm running away. <laughs> Yikes! So he does run away, and uh, let's see. I defeated my evil doppelganger, took his clothes, played his parts, but Kitty... Well, Storm, what of Kitty? If she's removed from the crystal prison without her skeleton, she will... Uh, die. <laughs> well, he doesn't say that part, but... Belasco, Belasco, by your heart and soul, you will pay for this. If it takes till the end of time, she summons, she summons a hurricane to sweep her after the Demon Lord, but she gets... She gets wind blasted in her face to make her stop, and it's it's uh, it's the cloaked woman. It's Old Storm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, she says, no, Windrider, you mustn't do that. Who are you to command? Who are you, stranger, to command the X-Men? See for yourself. I, too, face this choice. I follow Belasco. My friends follow me. They died. I was damned. I will not allow that tragedy to happen to you or happen again. It's Old Storm. Fantastic! Belasco spoke of this. We are in a magical limbo. When none of the rules of space and time apply, we can be both old and young and alive and dead, good and evil. <laughs> Spare me your philosophy, Kurt. Shut up. Wait, this is Young Storm, isn't it? <laughs> yes. Spare me your philosophy, Kurt. If you wish to be of any use, find me a way to save Kitty. Nightcrawler's like, well, I just teleport. What am I supposed to do? I teleport. <laughs> do you want me to teleport her skeleton back into her? I mean, what am I supposed to do here? I was trying to explain the plot. I mean, come on, people. <laughs> Old Storm's like, I think I can help because I've been studying magic. Belasco allowed... Well, this part's kind of weird. As I grew older and my ability to control the elements waned, I turned to the other half of my heritage, sorcery. Belasco allowed my study of the black arts, assuming that their fundamental evil would corrupt me as they had Nightcrawler. His error. <laughs> Dummy. <laughs> so that's... Forgive me, Kitty. Forgive me, Kitty. There will be some pain. Yeah, she's, she doesn't look like she's had too much pain. She's like, wow, I'm so glad to see you. And she makes the crystal disappear in everything. Aurora, I don't understand. You're old? <laughs> yep. I Heads up, troop, we got company. And M shows up seconds is that, late. Is that the M or somebody else? I think that's somebody else because that looks uh, like the tail is smaller than M's. All right, it has to be because this bugged me. This has always bugged me because it's like, heads up, troop, we've got company panel. 
A, right? And then panel B, seconds later, snacked. One down, but I got a nasty feeling there will be many more. Belasco, I can handle. Sim, I would not like to meet again. So when he says, Sim, I would not like to meet again, it to me it always indicated like he just had like a rough and tumble knockdown drag out fight with Sim. It's over and they should get out of here. But your no. your explanation makes a heck of a lot more sense. <laughs> All right. I say we have a moose. Yeah, uh, so Storm is like, uh, I will stay here and I will cast the spell. Um Young Storm's like, if you had the power, why didn't you escape a long time ago? Old Storm's like, with my X-Men's name, I had nothing to return home to, and someone had to, has to watch Belasco guard him and ensure that he does not find another exit. Uh, all right, fine. She she could have returned. I mean, she had, you know, she had plenty. She had plenty of almost lovers, and so if she's in her time, yeah, she I mean, could have gone back and hung out with. Uh, that Avengers guy or hung out with Kazar. Didn't she have a thing with uh, Kesar or, uh, or Black Panther? She met him with that one time. Are you talking about old storm or young storm? I'm talking about old storm. Her excuse is lame. I don't disagree because if she's got this magic and limbo, this limbo is any when and anywhere, couldn't she teleport back a few months and be like, Hey, you're going to go to this crazy Island and some crazy stuff's going to happen. So, how about you don't go to that crazy island? I got to head back. Trust me. But man, I don't know. Maybe maybe Limbo doesn't work that way. Anyway, uh, Belasco, Sim, and a whole bunch of other demons approach. And there's like, there's not enough time. Uh, Colossus wants to know if they stay and fight. Young Storm's like, yes. Old Storm's like, no. And then she she casts a ward to keep the bad guys at bay while... Who's casting the no place like home spell? Is that Young Storm? Oh, it's Old Storm. She's Old Storm's doing everything. She's holding off the bad guys and she's casting the teleport. Looks like well, Young Storm is is firing a Cyclops beam into the air. So this would have been a perfect time for Storm to use her amulet to help cast whatever spell, but it doesn't appear like well, it doesn't appear like she uses the amulet for anything ever. Well, I don't know. I think uh, Marvel method, she is using the amulet, but Chris Claremont didn't see that. I would have to agree because there's definitely like the Cyclops splash, like you mentioned. She seems to be holding on to her amulet. And then, she, you know, the story could be like, I have all the power, but you are young and you have some potential. So help me use your power. But Chris Claremont was probably like, you know, I'm probably never going to make Storm a sorceress. So this Limbo storyline can kind of exist on its own. And I'm just going to write that out. <laughs> Would be my guess anyways. But that doesn't matter well, because... Uh, we've got the Storm and Magic Limited series coming up. Do you think that follows up on this? Uh, I did not know that that existed. I guess when we read it, we'll find out. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, but this is the part, right? So Belasco... Uh, sneaks past Old Storm and grabs Alana, knocking Fozzie Bear out of her arms. The X-Men have been teleported back to the island, and they're doing a... Kermit, no! <laughs> uh, they're doing a tug-of-war on Kitty. Wolverine is... Or, I mean, Colossus is pulling on Wolverine. Wolverine is holding on to Kitty, and Kitty's got Alana, Ileana, and it's she's trying to pull her, and it's too tough and oh my god I, I can't feel her i've lost her oh wait there she is we're good we're good i got a pull boom she pull they pull her out everything's good everybody's happy and colossus is like ilana natalia yovana welcome home beloved sister but it's except that now she's really old she's and old. wearing a different costume she's wearing a different outfit 
And she looks up and she says, Piotr Niklovich, in Russian. Is, is that really you? Later, uh, Moira has examined her. She says, she says the kid's definitely Alana, perfectly healthy, healthy, perfectly normal, 13-year-old girl. What? She was, I don't know. How old was she before? Uh, eight. Oh, six. Uh, well, okay. six. Seven years. Seven years have passed, so she was six. Yeah, she was out of Kitty's grip for a second, yet somehow for Ilana, Ilyana, seven years passed. What am I to do? How can I face the parents? What shall I tell them? Hard as this must be, Peter, think of how Ilyana must be feeling. Well, she's sleeping. <laughs> so she goes in. She's like, oh my, her glasses is like, oh my god, how did this happen? Uh, she lost her childhood. She spent half her life in limbo with Belasco. What has she seen? What has she endured? Should I comfort her? Should I fear her? A lot of emotions going on here, right? You know, my friends, sometimes I wish I had never heard of Charles Xavier or the X-Men. Yeah, well, it's a fair assessment of the situation, right? Yeah. Uh, well, Colossus chooses the latter, or I mean the former, and she goes and snuggles uh, Ilyana, and she... She was very. She's very happy about it. She's like, I thought you'd be. If, uh, I thought you'd forgotten me. That you would hate me. It's been so long. I missed you. Uh, and now that we have every uh, each other again, everything will be all right. She babbles on, eyes alight with joy, and he loves every word of it. He lets her talk until fatigue finally takes its toll, and she falls asleep. Then, with brotherly ten- tenderness, he tucks her into bed, and sleeps himself by her side, ready to protect her. Should the need arise, she stirs a hand unfolding to reveal an ancient, ornate medallion. She's had it for as long as she can remember. It's her special talisman, a gift from one who said he loved her. It opens, and in the deepest recesses of her mind, a voice is heard. When when y'all have grown into a woman and have learned in full measure the arts of the arcane, when at last the bloodstones are in their proper places, Yuliana... You will ascend to a glorious destiny. So, ha, ha, there are ha. three bloodstones now. I have your Fozzie bear, and I am ripping him to shreds. Poor Fozzie. <laughs> waka, waka. <laughs> yes. Hermit! <laughs> there are three bloodstones in the medallion, so two are left, and we don't know what happens after the next two, well... I, I don't know what happens after the next two. Maybe that's when she becomes magic, I would guess. I don't know. And Ilyana's already practically grown into a woman. Yeah. Well, in the Marvel Universe, I think you become a woman at like age 15. <laughs> in the Marvel Universe, you don't age. This is the only way to age. <laughs> <laughs> Through magic. So, I mean, that's 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 pretty heavy, right? I mean, obviously, this is a a, a creative way to... Skip Ileana forward uh, to an age where she can join. Um, what well, we've already met? Have we? Who, who else have we met so far that will become a new mutant? Um, Siren, we met. Uh, well, we've met. We met. We met Karma. Yeah. In that Fantastic Four thing, did, I think. Did we meet Wolfsbane or no? Um, we met Wolfsbane in Classic X-Men. Okay, that doesn't count. So in canon, we've met okay. we've met a couple of teenagers that are mutants. Uh, Kitty, right? She she at this point, I mean, in the comic book, like you know, uh, Chris Claremont may or may not have made up his mind, but you know, she's another fifteen year old girl. So I mean, we've already got four now fifteen year old characters that could form a new team, right? 
So that's my uh, opinion is that Chris Claremont's like, oh, this would be kind of a cool story and it'd be a great way to have Ileana become of the right age, become part of this team because it'd be stupid to have a seven-year-old superhero power pack. But if you think about how heavy the material is in 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 terms of a story, if you think about like this character who's seven years old, who I really like the concept of the anywhere, any when they lost contact with her for just a moment and in that moment she ages seven years we don't know what happened in those seven years we just get a couple of glimpses of the stories i think it's just a really neat a really cool uh i would say original but i'm sure it's not all that original of an idea well as i mentioned there is a uh, magic four issue um miniseries coming up Mm -hmm. uh that is subtitled storm and iliana or iliana and uh Maybe that'll fill in the gaps. Maybe it won't. I've never read it. Nor have and I. Apparently, you haven't either. Nope. It would be in. So that'll yeah. be interesting when we get there. Uh, on the one side, it could be cool if that is actually it's a four-part miniseries of what happened in Limbo. That would actually be really cool. Um, but yeah, I don't I have no idea. In this comic, there was an ad for Dark Side, Dark uh, Phoenix, the Apocalypse Now, which we've already read. So that's yeah. ha- that's happening. Cool. Anything else you you want to say about about this this comic book? No, it was it was fun. It was a good sci-fi thing. It was it's always fun when people find themselves dead and have to figure out what happened. Uh, I mean, yeah. So the twelve-year-old me or eleven-year-old or whoever read that, like, I really liked the whole concept of the old and young. I read it back now, and it's like, yeah, <laughs> a lot of questions come to my mind as far as like. Do they always just live in these tunnels? Is there an outside? How do they eat? Where do they sleep? Where do they go to the bathroom? How long were they alive? Like, is, are there other people here or is it just them? Uh, if it is just like a building of caves, why didn't Blasco come and kill them earlier? But I didn't think about that stuff when I was like 11 or 12. Yeah. Well, you know, you're not supposed to. Well, right. Uh, anyways, uh, we we uh, we got some mail. We got we did. A, we got... We got two letters through the email. We got a letter from uh, Patrick Finnegan, who says, uh, The podcast is better than ever. He's up to episode number 144, not just a few behind. Wanted to share a funny moment from She-Hulk number 16, in which She-Hulk and Wolverine perform a fastball special. Uh, Yes, that's a very funny image and a very funny bit of dialogue. I'd seen that before. I don't know why, because I don't recall reading she-Hulk ever, but I must have seen it somewhere. I believe a listener of ours posted it to our Facebook page. Oh, okay. <laughs> that would explain it. Uh, he, he's got a site. I'll, I'll just go ahead and give this out here. It's Exploring the Marvel Universe. Uh, it used to be called Exploring Marvel Unlimited. Here's a link to the X-Men Reading Guide page. Um, www.exploringmarvelu.com uh, Is that is that EX or X? What? Exploring. Oh, it's just it's exploring spelt correctly. www.exploringmarvelu oh, okay. just the letter u.com. Check it out. It's got a reading guide uh, that that uh, we don't follow it, but I mean we could. We we have our own reading guide, but certainly reference this one to make sure that we're on the right on the right track. We also got a note from Gord McLaughlin. That's uh, true. He says that he uh he wants to let us know how much he enjoys the podcast, and not just because we keep begging for feedback. Which I, I haven't t- really begged for feedback in a while. I take issue with that. We don't beg <laughs> for it. <laughs> uh, 
the truth is he spent a lot of happy hours in 2014 listening to his stuff. He works the late shift, killing his social life, but he's got us. Mm-hmm. Uh, he started reading X-Men 44 years ago, starting with one of the reprint issues, number 70. He lucked into the brand new issues from Neil Adams, some other back issues, remained a loyal reader until 1986. Then he sold his comic book collection to go backpacking through Europe. Uh, he sold about 3,000 issues for $1,500, which he thinks was a great deal for the other guy. Yeah. Uh, he was starting to dislike the art at the time, so he didn't think much about the comic for decades. Um, he's pretty much recreated his old collection through Mars Masterworks, and it's been great to relive the issues through us. And he thinks the appeal of the podcast is that it's the way we get along and our hilarious voices. Um, well, he doesn't say hilarious. <laughs> just the voices. And that could just be like the voices in his head. They they tell me to <laughs> like you. <laughs> and the problem is I probably won't listen past the issues that I originally read. And it won't take me too long to go through the earlier ones I haven't enjoyed yet. What then? Yeah. He makes some suggestions, but my counter, since we're not going to do the suggestions, he suggests the Cree role of the Avengers. We're not doing the Avengers. We're going to keep doing the X-Men. But my suggestion is that um, he he go on a trip to Europe, and when he gets back, he starts over with our podcast. Like number one or something? Yeah. And then once he gets back to the issues that he's... Uh, you know, he goes through he goes through the cycle again until he gets up to the point where he starts getting disinterested. So it's a, it's and then an, he goes to Europe again. It's another time loop. <laughs> yeah, and he uh, just does this over and over again. So I for did the rest a, of his life. I did a little research, and uh, well, first of all, here's what I want to say: is like don't don't stop listening because of that. This is uncharted t- waters for you. What better way to discover the issues that you haven't read than through uh, the sultry tones of Adam's voice? <laughs> Yes. <laughs> yeah, baby. But not only that, uh, 1986, I checked out. I was like, well, what happened in 1986? Like, you know, I, for me, I mean, I guess this might feed into another letter that we have here. But for me, like, I guess the Marvel Universe goes in uh, waves. And there's a there's a certain point of uh, X-Men lore that I'm just not interested in. Uh, I mean, I wouldn't read it, and we're not going to read it for quite a while, but but if we make it that far, I will read it for the sake of the podcast, and it'll just be a fun way to discover it. But, um, you know, if if we ever stop this podcast, I would gladly hand it to somebody else to basically tell me the stories of, like, you know, X-Men 320 and beyond, right? Because there's a big chunk of stuff that occurs that I, that I just, I don't know. It's just, it's, the art's different, the storytelling is different, probably the same things that uh, Gord experiences in 1986. But I took a look at 1986. And, like, 1986 is my X-Men. <clears throat> Not quite. I mean, that starts about 201, and I didn't really start reading uh, so much uh, until about 217. But still, even at 217, uh, I was able to pick up older issues of the X-Men for not much more than cover price. So I had, you know, almost an, a complete run of X-Men number 150 to 225, uh, and I'd read those over and over. Not so much 150 to 200, because I had the same problem that maybe Gord does, is that I wasn't a huge uh, fan of Dave Cockrum's artwork, uh, but I was of uh, Sylvester and Green. But then I looked at some of the stuff that was happening in 1986, and it did seem like they were changing out artists pretty regularly. Or you'd have, like, 
uh, two issues by Sylvester and Green, and then you'd have somebody else. And then you go back, and then you'd have somebody else. So I, I kind of get what he's saying, but believe me, man, there's going to be much love coming from this side of the microphone when we get to 1986. And a whole lot of meh from this side. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I don't, I, I don't actually remember... Uh... I think I know that period of time. I like I like the Sylvester period. Oh yeah, well the Dan the, Green stuff. That's 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 the interesting piece is that he's they're not there at two hundred, but they they form uh, their relationship. I mean, if you just read the writing credits, like Dan Green is there for quite a while, and then Sylvester comes in, and then they eventually get matched up and become like the regular artists. But it takes it it probably takes you know a good thirteen issues for that to solidify or for their schedules to line up or whatever was going on in their lives. Uh, but for context's sake, uh, issue number 201 is approximately when 1986 takes place uh, from the yeah. book date. So it's actually probably like 198 or something like that when it's really 1986. But anyways. Yeah, and, uh, unlike unlike uh, Jeremy, I have only read all of these issues once. So I don't remember most of this stuff from now until the end of time. <laughs> My period of the X-Men was even later. It was like the Jim Lee era. Those are the issues that I reread over and over again. And then I stopped. And then I started again. And then I stopped. And then I started again. So I kind of come and go. But I've read up to like probably the same 320 that you're at at least once. Hmm. It's pretty much when Image formed and all the art went to crap. And that's where I stopped. <laughs> and But I've picked up, I mean, I have other issues. Like I've come back and like, there's like a very weird period of just weird art that it's scary and different. And then uh, art gets normal. And I think the Claremont comes back and I've got some from that run and uh, some from Brubaker. So I've got like a smattering from just about every decade. <laughs> and that's actually saying a lot. Um, we also got so that my, the advice is uh, just, you know, don't stop listening when you're bored of us. Not not because you're bored of the actual issue, because I think we might be able to breathe some life uh, life into it. We also got a, a Facebook message from James Howlett. He says uh, a couple of questions that the fans might have. <clears throat> and I'm, we'll just go one by one here because some of these are kind of interesting. Uh, do either of you still read current comics, Adam? I do. <laughs> OK, uh, moving um, on. <laughs> Oh, well, actually, you know, I, no, I was, I was actually thinking about the question in my head. Um, I didn't see this letter, so this is all fresh for me. Oh, good. Um, I, I collect comics, but I don't read them very much anymore because oh. I'm like I'm too busy reading all this backup crap that I'm reading for the podcast. That's just like and those take quite a while. To yeah. get through, uh, so I still collect comics. Like I, I like I have. I've said I've said it before. I have every issue of Wolverine, so I can't stop now, even though he's dead. <laughs> right. Uh, that, um, that 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 is actually the follow. That is actually the follow up question. Is if so, what titles do you read? So so keep going. All right. Uh, so so yeah, I still I still collect Wolverine or Wolverines now, because since he's dead, um, a uh, saga is pretty good. Um, I do actually, I do keep up with that. I'm a couple issues behind, but, um, and then I just, I just get like whatever kind of interests me. Like I bought Fantastic Four, one through five, the new, the new series. And then I bought, um, the, uh, Star Trek. What was it? Uh, well, I bought the, I bought the Star Wars original screenplay that they converted into a comic book, like the, the, the George Lucas before he converted it to Star Wars. Whoa, really? 
That's um, a, that sounds really cool. Yeah, they took like his original screenplay and they they turned that into a comic. Um, and then I bought the original screenplay f- uh, that they turned into a comic for the city on the edge of forever mm. for from Star Trek. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't read either of those. Okay. Um, <laughs> Uh, are they collect them? <laughs> are they collected in any sort of way? They probably will be soon They're... if they haven't been already. I think the Star Wars one is probably just has been collected probably as of this month, so you could probably buy it now. Okay. Um, and then I buy Gru for I, I have every issue of Gru, and it only comes out in four issue miniseries every so often. But I guess this year, 2015, they're releasing 12 issues of Gru. So I'm back on the bandwagon. Well, Sergio Argonas' arm is going to be so tired. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So I read, uh, the current comic books that I read, uh, I read The Walking Dead. I read Invincible. uh, But I, I read them in bursts. Uh, because uh, Kirkman has a bursty way of writing or short. The comics are great, usually, plot-wise, uh, art-wise, everything's good. It's just that you can you can kind of tear through an issue in, like, seven minutes. So Yeah, and they're pretty, they're pretty well, like, divided into, like, arcs. Yes, definitely. Uh, and I've read the letter section, uh, and he's like, you should stop and take more time and look at the art and really enjoy it and soak it up and absorb it. And the way that I read comic books is that I, I, I blast through them. I, I read them. I, I don't intentionally read them as quickly as possible. I just read them, and it just turns out that it's really fast. Uh, and the art, uh, which should be maybe the primary uh portion of the medium is really secondary it's the story that's the primary for me but all of the art leaves an impression like i can read six issues of the walking dead uh, and i will probably have a zombie related dream that night that's directly influenced from the artwork and the stories that i read that day Um, so needless to say i I probably sit down and read those twice a year (laughs) because you know you can read six issues of each in about you know 37 minutes uh, and they're good. They're fine. I, I like them that way. I was, and that's really the only two things that I read that are current. I was reading um, all new X-Men. Uh, the original first six issues were, I thought, really, really great. Opened up some um, interesting ideas, and it really tied in with what we're doing here in the podcast. So it all seemed to kind of make sense. But then it, it just did what every other comic did and spiraled out of control. I stopped reading when they did... Um, they did some crossover series. I was like, I just, I don't want to crossover. <laughs> like, I really just, like, self-contain this damn thing. Or, honestly, I mean, I they must have some idea for what they're going to be doing with all new X-Men. Or maybe they're just making money, so they're like, let's just keep making these things. But to me, it would have been just an excellent six or even 12-part miniseries in which, you know, this whole thing happens. They go back, the professor wipes their mind, and now, like... I don't know. Now we, as the audience, we know that this happened and it's like, well, the professor's an even bigger dick than we thought he was or whatever, (laughs) but that didn't happen. So that leads into the next question, which is, uh, what do you think of the current state of the Marvel universe? And my answer to this is I think it is a giant mess. Well, it's interesting. You should ask this because today it was announced that the Marvel universe is ending. So I have, you mentioned that off pod, but I've thought about this in the past. Uh, I've thought about it in a couple of different ways. And this is a great time to talk about it a little bit. Like when um, uh, Ed Brubaker brought out his uh, 
uh, the series where we got the third Summers brother. Uh, well, that wasn't all that great. I thought like to me when I read that, uh, I think it was a six-part miniseries. It was all self-contained. It didn't bleed out into other parts of the universe. It created its story onto itself. It was like, I was like, this is what the Marvel Universe should be. They should just cancel all of their ongoing series. And whenever they have a really good idea, they should just make a series, uh, like a limited series. I liked Civil War. I liked House of M. Um, they've got this rich universe that they've created now. They can do things with it. But, I mean, obviously, I know it's a business, and they're trying to do something on a monthly basis, and they're trying to drum up new customers and all that sort of stuff, so they kind of feel compelled to make this ongoing stuff. But it just, to me, it's just like, how is Wolverine in 17 different comic books every month? You know? <laughs> he's not. He's dead. Well, right. But when I was reading, how how was that possible? Um there was actually an issue of Wolverine that was pretty funny. Um, it was two. It was a two-parter, and um, like it had Monday, and then it had Wolverine hanging out with the Avengers and doing stuff. Tuesday, hanging out with the X Men. Wednesday on a solo adventure. <laughs> that, Thursday, hanging out with X Force. That's that pretty funny. That is. That's pretty funny. Um, I think that's actually probably why I never actually got into the rebooted X Force. It was like, Jesus, really? Wolverine's on another team? Like. <laughs> We're we're Cyclops's Black Ops team. It's like, oh Jesus, I don't even care. You would actually like the rebooted X Force. I um, have them somewhere. It, it very much ties into the '80s uh, X Men. Really? Yeah. You know, I should check it out again. Well, maybe. Yeah, the the late '80s kind of X Factory X X Men era. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Uh, but anyways, so at one point I thought to myself, like, you know, they should just do like. Every, whenever they have a good idea, they should then, boom, make that series and then, like, go back to your think tank and come up with some really good ideas and then launch those out. That'll never happen. That's not a, that's not a sustainable business model. And then I did have, I was like, you know what, they should, they should, they should, they should end the Marvel Universe and they should start over. But the problem is, um, you know, you've got these characters. I mean, they're not going to stop making Spider-Man comic books or uh, x-men or avengers or fantastic four i mean these are brand names that people see and people buy and i mean what what will end up happening uh, maybe you know more than i do i'm just speculating here but doesn't this just become like another marvel unlimited or or uh extreme? let me explain to you what they mean by they're ending the marvel universe okay um none of the characters are dying they're all moving on to new series but their worlds are ending, uh, meaning that they're all getting transported over to another world. And portions of their worlds are also getting transported over to this world. And, and it's all going to start with a with a mini-series called Secret Wars. Oh, and the... then that will spiral into all new uh, ish, like all, all new lines of all the different comics set in this new universe. So when they say the Marvel Universe is dead, they're just saying the the, the 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 location is now going to be shifted and that and they're taking all of their universes i guess so like 2099 characters um any of the like age of apocalypse alternate universes uh um the what was it the the m generation m or whatever the the magneto thing but you just mentioned it house of m house of m so that alternate universe so they take elements from all of these things and now they're putting them all in one universe, which is not the Marvel universe, but something else. I think 
they're calling it Battle World or something. I hope, I hope that's not true, but that's a terrible name. But, you know, maybe maybe it's supposed to be kind of a dumb name. Well, yeah, Ed, Jim Shooter must be like, oh, my God, they're bringing the Beyonder back. This is awesome. They are bringing the Beyonder back. As, 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 uh, I don't know if it's – he's definitely on a cover, an sure. upcoming cover. Of course he is. But... It's, it's called Secret Wars. He's the Beyonder. He comes through and he, he, he does this, right? He can do whatever he wants to. So he is the guy that, that shuffles all – you could bring uh, uh, new universe characters into this. I... Well, I don't. Yeah, they probably are. Although I don't think they have license for some of them. Oh, really? I think because I know they were, they can't do a ROM comic anymore because it was tied into a toy line. Not ROM, but like New Universe. Uh, uh, I can't remember their names, but there was a couple of them that were popular-ish. Some, some... What were they? Well, the the Ultimate Universe is also getting combined into this. Well, that's I don't know. That's so that's an interesting. Um, I don't know how I feel about that, Adam. It just feels like a, another. It's, it's just a new way to tell different stories. I mean, it's not though. It's like, I mean, it's a device to sweep up uh, a very dirty universe that has been used and abused and create a nice pure environment. But <clears throat> excuse me, Spider-Man's Uncle Ben still got shot. Um, the X-Men were still formed by Charles Xavier. Well, they're they're they're. Sp- saying and and you know this is marvel dropping weird hints saying that you know characters from any timeline could come back at any time so it's you know yes spider-man is still spider-man and yes uncle bill and still got killed but you know they could potentially bring uncle ben back it's anything could happen but yeah. i don't know I'll, I'll be keeping track of it loosely i'm not gonna buy anything but <laughs> i mean haven't they already done this though? I mean, didn't they bring like swashbuckling Nightcrawler from Age of Apocalypse over into the real universe? Yeah, but then he turned evil. Oh well, okay. But I mean, and, and Nightcrawler's back anyway, so. Oh <laughs> well, all right. I believe uh, they brought it, brought him back from heaven. Did they? Yeah, I think so. I don't know. I didn't read it. I just kind of. This is this is what I read. I read. Like, I don't read comics anymore. I read news blurbs. <laughs> news about the comics. Yeah. So what do we think of the current state of Marvel Universe? It's a big mess. Um, I don't, you know, I don't, I, comics are comics. They're fun. I, I think they're as fun as they were uh, to someone my age back then as they. I don't uh, think so, Adam. Because really? comics today cost like $7. Yeah, that's true. Com- I was thinking about this today. I was like, yeah, because I wanted to. I wanted to make the uh, connection that, or the parallel that uh, every generation has their their version of the Marvel universe. Like Gore didn't like my generation of the X Men, but I love my generation of the X Men, and I can look back on the old generation and be like, oh, that's a. You know, I can see where we came from. It's not my favorite, but I can see where we came from. But then I look forward into those three twenties. I'm like, oh, I hate that generation. Oh, it's terrible. Blah blah blah. And uh, but at some point, that generational thing stopped. The comic books that are being written today are being written for you and me. We are their That's target true. demographic. Yeah. We are their audience. So that this- is true. Although they they have been trying to like branch out to other audiences. Of course they it's are. Just it, it's difficult to, to do because we are the market. Right. Well, it's 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 a lot of things. It's it's the internet. It's the price of comic books. It's you know, the the target audience, all that sort of stuff. I mean, everybody loves the Captain America movie, but, you know, the people that love that Captain America movie see a Captain America comic book for $7, and they're like, nah, you know, nah. Let's go, let's go watch the movie again. And there's nothing wrong with that. But. 
And that uh, America is old now anyway. Yeah, <laughs> feeds into another part. This is good, this is good uh, uh, fodder here. But uh, it, he goes on to say, you've given your opinion on the X films, but what stamp of approval do you give other films and television shows? Um, I wouldn't say that my stamp of approval means anything to anybody, but what I will say is that uh, I really, really, really like the current state of affairs of the Marvel Universe movies. I uh, I agree, um, but I also, with a caveat, I don't, and I don't, I don't know, I don't know how to put this. I I don't think any of the movies that have been made of the Marvel universe or superhero movies in general are worth watching more than once. And 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 I know you'll disagree with me on that, but I don't need to see any more. Like I I I go see them the first time in the theaters every time, but then once I see them. There hasn't been a movie made yet that I want to rewatch. Maybe Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, that was fun. Adam, there's, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, the, I, I think there's, I don't know that uh, rewatch, hmm, I mean, rewatchability of a movie certainly is um, a testament to their longevity, but uh, I think everybody else in the world's got you covered there, so you don't need to ever see Avengers again, and that movie will continue to make money hand over fist. Um, oh yeah, no, no question that that and and I would even you know say that that is that 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 might even be a classic given the people probably are watching it over and over again. Um, but I like I don't know I'm a film snob so well right I and th- so really you really get heavily into film. See, but this is I I don't know uh, I don't know why like <laughs> I watched um, I watched Tusk the other night. That's Adam. Or uh, no, Kevin Smith. Yeah, yeah. Latest movie. Kevin Smith movie. And uh, you know, I I I I wanted to love that movie because I was like, you know, I, I listened to his podcast and I'm a fan of like what he's done. You know, he's kind of bucking the system a little bit and then still making these movies. But then I watched the movie and I was just like, man, you know, the dialogue is good. A lot of the plot devices were like, boy, this is really thin. Uh, some of the, you know, I really judged it harshly. I was like, God, you know, I, I don't, I don't think I like this movie. I liked it better than I liked Red State, but that's not, unfortunately, maybe for me, that's just not saying much. No, Red State was not very good. A lot of, well, some people liked, I, I didn't, I didn't care for it. And the same thing, I mean, Tusk was, I really liked the concept, right? You put a man into a, into a walrus outfit and it's like a psychological thriller horror fine like it's a goofy dumb premise but i mean if done correctly anything if anything is done correctly it can evoke an emotion or it can you can watch and be like man that was messed up right uh this was half of that like i mean the creature effects were really good um but there was some filming issues that i saw where like lighting was like really dark here but then really light here where it should have been like i was a snob and i judged it harshly but then I watched the Avengers movies and uh, or any just about not all of them, but just about all of the Marvel Universe movies. And, you know, I I know that they've been focus grouped uh, research. They follow a very specific formula, uh, almost to a cookie cutter effect. So you watch those movies and you don't walk away going like, well, geez, you know, I don't know if a. Uh, if one of those helicarriers could fly, it just doesn't make sense. You don't, you don't even say that to yourself. You just walk away. No, and you're like, no, no. I'm not that kind of a film stub. <laughs> well, that's what I'm just saying. I'm just saying like when you watch those, the, the lighting is great. The, the dialogue mm. is snappy. 
the action the, the, is action-y. The, most importantly, the stories are really well put together. The stories, and, you know, they the, it just they're they're good solid movies while they're happening. They they have hired and they have put together professional teams of people to create mass market appeal, and it works. It, it works just about every time. So it totally works, and DC hasn't figured it out at all. <laughs> hopefully, they get there with some of their recent announcements. But I guess my point is, is that it's it's it, it, on the one hand, like we criticize it because like they've it, they've they've they're it's making it a business, and they're they're taking all of the like Kevin Smith probably put uh, his you know love and and he wanted to, this is his movie and his baby, and he probably had a hundred percent creative control over everything, and it I didn't care for it all that much, but. Uh, when they made the Marvel Universe movies, there's not one person who like owned all of that. There was many arms of business, right, controlling aspects of that to make sure that when it got created, it was like it was it was polished, it was ready to go, it was a good solid movie. But what I really like is that is that it's the, the material is almost being taken seriously, right? You've got stories, and you and typically in movies. Um, you can even see this in like Star Wars, uh, where when you watch the first movie of of a series, generally like they've written it for uh, that movie, and then they don't know whether or not there's going to be a sequel, so they don't necessarily plant seeds for a sequel. So there's definitely mm-hmm. some disconnects between, for example, Back to the Future and Back to the Future Two. Whereas between Back to the Future Two and Three, seeds can be planted all over the place because they knew that with Two there was going to be Three, but there's disconnects between one and two. Same thing with Star Wars and Empire Strikes Back. But with these Marvel movies, they're like, you know, uh, they're like uh, Iron Man hit. We're making money. Like these movies aren't going anywhere. Like let's make cohesive, serialized stories that are almost self-contained. But you watch the next movie and you almost feel smart because you're like, I remember that from the last movie, right? And it's designed yeah. to do that. But so I really like that. Uh, it feels like. You know, when I was, I'm, I'm probably rambling here a little bit, but when I was a kid, you know, you would get the announcement for the Punisher movie or the Thor versus Hulk movie, and you're like, yeah, this is going to be awesome. And you'd watch it and you'd be like, whoever wrote this, like, has never read any of these comic books. Right. And it, to me, it's like the people that are making these movies definitely are work, have read the comic books, maybe, or are working really closely with the people who have created the comic books to come out with stories that aren't exactly what happened in the Marvel Universe, but kind of follow that Marvel, not method, but formula of storytelling. So, anyways, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I really like no, it. I, I definitely agree with you, and I definitely you'd think that they're they're very high quality, and, and I, I don't even care that there is a formula, you know. That, that's kind that, of... That, that's, that doesn't even, like, come into my... When I when I say I just can't rewatch, I you know when I when I say I just don't want to rewatch them, it's 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 not because of any of that that goes into it. As I'm watching them, I'm enjoying them 100. percent But I just don't, and and I know I might be alone on this, but you know I, I just don't have. I don't like, disagree. I don't disagree, but I mean I'll be honest. Like you know, if I'm flipping through TV and the Avengers is on, I'm probably gonna stop and just finish watching it. Uh, I put in Guardians of the Galaxy at least twice. Uh, it's the solo movies. Like I've never been a Captain America or a Thor fan, uh, or Iron Man. So I've only seen those once. I I don't know that I'll ever rewatch any of the Iron Mans. Uh, probably won't rewatch any of the Iron or Captain Americas. But I, I did go to see. I saw Avengers in the theater twice. Yeah, I saw it in the theater. I took my daughter to see it in the theater, and then I, like, it was great. And then like it it was it debuted on uh, 
uh, Amazon Prime. I was like, oh my God, let's watch this again. And we did. It was awesome. Now, what would I really like to have happen? I'd really like for Fox and Disney to make love <laughs> the X-Men way. And like, I know that there's, it's a business and there's money to be made and Fox is never going to let those rights go as long as they have somebody that will finance, as long as they keep financing the movies. But can you imagine if magic happened and the X-Men were part of the whole Marvel Studios and the just what you could do there? Oh, it, yeah, it would be good. It would be awesome. It, it would, would. It would be. Uh, it would be pretty cool. It would be amazing. Now, uh, even even Hugh Jackman was like, "I wish that Disney would get this because then I could do Hulk versus Wolverine," and that's that's a great idea. But 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 here's what I would do. Here's really what I would do, Adam. Like if Disney got their X Men rights uh, and they could make those movies and they could fit them into the existing Marvel universe. Like I would say, Hugh Jackman, you've done a fantastic job as Wolverine, and you've made a lot of money and a big star for yourself. Thanks, but you're not fighting Hulk. <laughs> yeah, I, I would reboot the series. I would reboot and recast the whole thing. I would, st- and I would do it the way they did the Avengers, sort of, not with like the whole solo stories, but I would go back. I would say, uh, find the original five X Men, do three movies with them. And then do the transition from the old X-Men to the new X-Men. You can kind of play around with those characters. They don't have to be the exact same characters, but there is so much potential there. And you could even, you could find your new Wolverine, uh, who is not Hugh Jackman. It would be some other unknown guy who's preferably a little bit shorter, but still a cool dude who can do the Wolverine thing. And you could like intermix Wolverine movies throughout all six of those movies because Wolverine's old, right? No more Wolverine solo movies. They just don't work. I don't know, man. Like, it seems like whatever Marvel Studios touches kind of turns to gold. So, I mean, maybe maybe you give it to them. I mean, the the problem that Fox has is they have they had no, they just made these movies, right? They didn't have, like, it's only been until Days of Future Past where they started hinting at, like, now we're going to do Apocalypse. But before that, it's just like, here's a movie, here's some characters that die, and it seems like in the next movie, you're like, man, boy, wouldn't it be awesome to have Gambit in this movie? It's too bad we killed him in the last movie. Ugh. Channing Tatum is playing Gambit in the Gambit solo movie coming out. Isn't he dead? I thought he died in the Wolverine movie. None of that shit matters. <laughs> and that's that's the problem with the that's the problem with Fox. That that is what I respect about what Marvel is doing on their side of the house. There, I feel well. I mean, obviously, if they killed somebody, they could bring somebody back. But if they killed somebody and brought somebody back, there would be a story explaining it, not not Professor Xavier just magically being alive again and no explanation about him being killed and then not being a right? That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, supposedly uh, Fox's, or is it Sony or Fox? They're, I think it's Fox. Uh, they're having a, a lot of, like their, their Fantastic Four movie is reshooting now because it's a disaster. Well, aren't, um, aren't they rebooting it again? Yeah, they're they're rebooting it and apparently it's, the reboot is terrible. Um, so I would I would actually like to see Marvel do a Fantastic Four movie and just, just to see if they could make it work. I'd like to, yeah. Because a Fantastic Four movie, it's probably going to be really hard to make audiences really like. I don't know. Something about that property. <laughs> it's just so old school yeah. that it doesn't seem to really mesh with anything. I, I don't I, know. Yeah, yeah. I mean... Again, though, uh, I think there, yeah, I think there's a lot of people over at Marvel Studios making a lot of decisions, and 
you know, one thing that could possibly be said is even if they got one of these properties back, they'd probably be like, well, we don't have time to make any of these until 2020. And, right. and by that time, that's now that's the other problem, like with the current state of Marvel. It's the golden age of comic book movies, to be sure. But what happens in 10 to 15 years, right? Chris Hemsworth can't play Thor for 20 years. Eventually, he's not going to have a Thor body. Well, that's why they're in the comics. They're they're writing stories where Thor is no longer Thor, and Captain America is no longer Captain America, and uh, yep. Marvel Comics is already planting the seed for these future stories. Yeah, yeah, I know. But uh, the other thing that I think plays really well with this current breed of Marvel comic book or Marvel movies is they play on a time when Marvel comics were super popular, right? Like the eighties and nineties. I mean, I guess Apocalypse, Age of Apocalypse was written in the 2000s, but... Uh, well, yeah, they're they're only going to play the classics. They're not going to play the clunkers. So, I mean, isn't Spider-Man black now? Or no, Spider-Man's Dr. Octopus or some one of those no, two. That, that, oh, that's over. Oh, that's over. Okay. <laughs> Ultimate Spider-Man is black. Uh, he's Miles Morales. He's, uh, I think he's Hispanic and black. Um, and... Um, so, I mean, my point Peter is... Parker is back to being Spider-Man. My point is, is that I, I mean, I don't, I don't want to sound racist or anything, but I don't think they ever make a black Spider-Man movie. No, and and it's not because you're racist; it's because Hollywood is racist. <laughs> well, and I don't even think it has anything to do with that. I think a, a black superhero is just fine. There's no issue with that whatsoever. Well, although no, you know, I don't think Hollywood is racist, but I don't think the world. It, it would be like making. Captain America Black. Well, which they people would freak out. Didn't they? There was hints or rumors that uh, Captain America was going to be played by Will Smith, and people are like, "Yeah, oh yeah. no, not my Captain America." <laughs> exactly. It's just like uh, we're we're so backwards as a country. Well, I yes and no. I mean, I think that more diversity should have probably been written to these comics from the get go, so that maybe you could have had a black Captain America. But at this point, I mean, 50 years of comic book lore, I mean, you see... Yeah, it's, it's tough to go against. Spider-Man Johnny po- Storm in the, new, in the Fantastic Four reboot is black. Oh. You know why they did that is because nobody cares about the Human Torch. And they're like, let's let's throw the black character a bone and, and make Johnny Storm black. Does that mean Sue Storm is black? Or are no, they like half-brothers? I, I don't know how they're going to explain that. One of them's adopted. Yeah, probably. All right. Um, so thanks for the letter. That That's great conversation. Oh, and he, he does ask about the television shows. And really the only television show right now is uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which I haven't Are watched. There's like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., there's Gotham, there's Constantine, there's uh, oh, I'm the only... Flash. I take... Now there's Agent Carter. I take the question only to reference Marvel Universe stuff. Because the problem, here's here's right. here's well, here's the other problem well, with this. Talk about the upcoming Daredevil. Here's the other problem is that... Uh, DC just announced or announced a while ago, they're doing the whole justice league and all these movies and stuff. And there's going to be a flash movie in like 2016 or 2018 or something. But that flash movie has nothing to do with the current flash series that's on TV. And to me, that's like, well, then you're not creating a universe. You're just creating stuff. Yeah, that's true. So that's why they don't count. (laughs) And, and, uh, I, I would imagine that the current Gotham series, which I also haven't watched. Um, I watched the first two episodes and, I've read that it gets better, but I did not like it. <laughs> it just seemed like another cop drama. And every now and then I say Bruce Wayne. Um. Anyways, yeah, so I really like the fact that they're creating a universe. Although I wish some of the t- – I mean, I guess they are coming out with, uh, with what, Power Man and, and Yeah, they're Iron coming Fist. out with four Netflix series, uh, Daredevil, uh, 
Luke Cage, Power Man, Iron Fist, and the Jessica Drew one. Yeah. I guess what I'll lead up to the Defenders. Which is okay. Is that going to be a TV then, show, though? Yeah, that'll be a TV series, The Defenders. And then there'll be a movie, Defenders versus Avengers. <laughs> no, there won't. No, I don't know. <laughs> what I really want to see, dear Hollywood, uh, I want to see them make a Deathlock TV series. Yeah, are you watching Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? No. <laughs> you said that there might be like one episode with him. There's, He's a recurring character at this point. Oh, he yeah. has not so much in season two, but there have only been about ten episodes of season two. Yeah. But he's, he's, in the, he's in the background. You probably won't like how they came about to him, but, you know, that's up for you to find out. All right. Well. It, doesn't, it, it definitely does not follow the, uh, the, the comics. Okay. Maybe. Maybe a little bit. I don't know. <laughs> did you did you read the comics? Uh no. No, but I'm I'm speculating based on Agents of Shield. Okay. Well if at some point I actually watch those I'll I'll give you a full report. You know the Deathlock was I think originally a Captain America uh opponent. There is a I believe there's a Deathlock uh omnibus that contains no issues of Deathlock. It's all like Captain America, maybe some Marvel team up. Uh, so there was a Deathlock that took place in between the pages of the Marvel Universe before there was the Deathlock series. And they're two different mm-hmm. characters, I think. That's kind of cool. Yeah. One of these days I should pick that up just because I'm fond of that character for some reason. <laughs> Maybe it's because he's so much like RoboCop. And I like RoboCop. But Did not the, re- the, the remake. <laughs> but not the remake. The remake was just boring. It wasn't bad. It just wasn't good. Anyways, uh, I read Dazzler. Yeah? Yeah. Oh, man, there's still some podcasts to go, Adam. I read Dazzler number 18. Give me a quick summary. There's not much to say. Uh, She practices with her powers while the Fantastic Four, they play musical instruments. (laughs) The Thing plays a saxophone, and Torch plays an electric guitar, and, uh, well, Reed Richards, he reads a book. But the point of that is that Reed Richards invents a machine, uh, like a portable, really loud sound machine for Dazzler and invites them her to join the team. But she's like, I don't want to fight crime. I want to be a musician. Absorbing Man escapes from jail and he's got plans, but it involves Dazzler. There's a big, long arc in the comic that explains like how he escaped from his last caper, which involves him turning into an island. Uh, but yeah, I don't know much about that. Um, she, yeah, he was in an issue of Avengers that I did. He he dissolves into water. Yeah, maybe I'll, maybe I'll have to read that issue. It, he yeah, well, he dissolves into water and he, he eventually turns into an island. And then some some indigenous uh, natives settle on him. <laughs> and when they settle on him, he's able to absorb them and turn back into a man or something. It's kind yeah. of interesting. I mean, like if you're following Absorbing Man, you probably should read this issue. <laughs> I'm just curious. <laughs> Anyways, um, let's see here. Absorbing Man, he does some research and figures out where Dazzler works. So she, he goes and threatens them to find out where she is. And uh, we get some cleavage shots of Dazzler as she's dancing on the stage. Uh, and Absorbing Man really uh, wants Dazzler. Basically, she saw that Dazzler was hanging out with the Avengers. So he figures that Dazzler would be the perfect... Um, like lure for the Avengers. So if he can kidnap Dazzler, the Avengers will come running and then he can exact his revenge. But then he sees the light show and he's like, huh, I wonder how she's doing that. And so they fight. Um, and eventually he figures out uh, that uh, 
she's a mutant. Uh, he puts on that little device that Reed Richards gave her, which generates a whole bunch of sound. She makes a whole bunch of light. Absorbing man uh, absorbs all the light, and he turns huge. And now he's like huge absorbing man. And that's that the end. That's really it. I mean, that's that's the summary that I gave you. Was there, was there any follow up with Angel? Yeah, I'm. That's the only part that I'm really curious about. <laughs> I, I can't remember if it was last issue or this issue, but there's like a quick two panels where he shows up at Grandma's house and is like, hey, I'm doing some research for my friend Dazzler. Oh, it's in here. <laughs> yeah, and he shows up and he's like, can you tell me about her mom? And the Grandma's like, ah, uh, fine. <laughs> Come on in, we'll talk. So, And that's it. Uh, so apparently all it took was for uh, some creepy stalker guy to go to grandma's house and be like, tell me about Allison's mom for grandma to be like, okay, okay, fine. He's very handsome. Yeah. And that's it. Uh, the majority of the story is about, uh, absorbing man's resurrection. All right. Uh, I read a few things. I'll try try to make quick, uh, defenders 110 did not feature beast. Uh, Avengers annual 11 did. And, uh, the Avengers taken an old defenders foe Nebulon, which I'd never heard of. The Defenders are approached by a similar being named Supernalia, who uh, manipulates them into finding the Avengers to stop Nebulon. Silver Surfer Beast Valkyrie and the Gargoyle battle Nebulon, Thor, Captain America, Iron Man, and Wasp. Um, It turns out that Nebulon is secretly manipulating the Avengers to take over the world just as it was suggested that he was doing and Supernalia was manipulating the defenders to stop him. So everybody's being manipulated and uh, turns out that Supernalia and Nebulon are husband and wife and they turn into giant worms and commit suicide. Cosmic suicide. Whoa. As are the laws of their people. <laughs> it was an interesting issue. Uh, Power Man and Iron Fist 84 picks up the Sabretooth story from where we left off where Sabretooth was a bum. It was weird. Uh, Sabretooth and the Constrictor are out for revenge. Sabretooth is back to being full-on costumed Sabretooth. Was he uh, was he decostumed before, and did he look like a man or what? He look he. You never saw his face. You just saw his hands. Okay, and they were Sabretooth hands. So I I suspect that that issue wasn't actually Sabretooth, <laughs> but they decided to go back and make it Sabretooth for the sake of some sort of continuity. Because I've always had the question about Sabretooth. I mean, he's he's wearing his classic... Well, I don't know if he's... Like, is he in a costume? <laughs> he's in Fang's costume from the Guardians of or the the uh, Royal Shi'ar, isn't he? Is it what that is? I don't know. It looks the same to me. But I've always... I've always want, I mean, he's got like a big furry mane, which matches his hair color, and he's got big furry arms. Uh, so, like, is that is that all costume, or is some of that him, or... And then the orange, is that like a big bodysuit, or is he just like orange and furry? Well, nowadays, he doesn't look like that. Well, nowadays, he's like all slicked back, and he, he looks like a slick dude, right? But back then, they tried to, he's like an animal, and he's, and he, I just never quite understood his character design as far as where is, where does Sabretooth begin, and where does the costume end? <laughs> it's a great question. I really don't know the answer. Okay. I'm going to say that's not a costume. Okay. He's naked. He's totally naked. <laughs> All right. Same with Constrictor. Is that is that costume there, or is that is that his skin? Uh, that's definitely a costume. Oh, okay. Because it's got his electronic I'm arms just coming kidding. out of it or something like that. And it's purple. All right. You know, classic Marvel villain co- colors. Uh, so Sabretooth wants to kill Misty Knight because in their last fight, 
he didn't know her arm was robotic, and so the fight wasn't fair. In fact, a lot of this issue is just Sabretooth whining. I didn't know her arm. It wasn't fair. I want a revenge. I didn't know her arm was robotic. No. Yeah, it's robotic. Oh, all right. I feel like that was covered. Maybe it wasn't covered. It just covered in the the last issue that Sabretooth was in. Uh, So he breaks into Misty Knight's apartment, and um, because Harmony Young has borrowed Misty Knight's perfume, he thinks that that's Misty Knight. It's a dark room. I, I don't know. Anyway, he uh, he hospitalizes Harmony Young, uh, disfiguring her, and the rest of the issue is Luke Cage going on a vendetta as Luke Cage and Iron Fist like go around the town and strong arm a whole bunch of people to figure out where Sabretooth and the Constrictor are. They meet up at a bar and fight, and uh, Iron Fist has to talk Luke Cage out of killing Sabretooth, and... Harmony Young is able to get surgery to fix her face. Hmm. So it could the whole Sabretooth thing could have ended here if Luke Cage had killed him. Although everybody comes back. Sure. This is a, a very this issue is very out of character for Sabretooth for me. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> All right. <laughs> a he's partnered up with like a B-string villain constrictor. Uh yeah. Sabretooth is finding himself. I don't think he appears in Power Man and Iron Fist again, and his next appearance is like Mutant Massacre or something. Oh, okay. All right. Well, good. I believe he was created by Chris Claremont, but when Chris Claremont left the Iron Fist series, uh, whoever took over, Mary Jo Duffy, was like, no, I get Sabretooth. Sorry. (laughs) He's like, I don't know what to do with this guy, though. Yeah. So, And I think Power Man and Iron Fist ends shortly. Okay. Maybe like in a hundred, uh, like issue 114 or something like that. Uh, Contest of Champions three, the conclusion of the first Marvel miniseries. Uh, we get Vanguard, Angel, and Black Panther fighting Wolverine, Thing, and La Peregrine. Uh, Wolverine also written fairly out of character as he is trying to kill Black Panther uh, for no reason other than he plays for keeps. <laughs> uh, I'd like to point out that when he pops his claws, they just go snick. Oh, really? I didn't notice that. They don't go snicked. It's on page five. <laughs> snick. Um, the other team is Storm, Shamrock, and Collective Man, and they fight Sasquatch, Captain America, and Blitzkrieg. And interesting enough, Shamrock's powers appear to be luck-based. Oh, interesting. Um, The Grandmaster wins the game, but the unknown turns out, as you predicted, the unknown was Death, which was weird because, I don't know, I thought Death was a well-established character, and so a character that looks like Death at this point is obviously Death, but maybe Death isn't a well-established character yet. This this so, may be the establishment of death. Well, I think she was in the death of Captain Marvel. Oh, it was probably her first appearance. But I don't. I think before that, she was not a major character. Could, um, but I don't know. I don't either. I mean, for me, she doesn't become. Uh, well, as I read the comic book, she doesn't become a major character until uh, the Secret Wars two, in which she doesn't talk. Uh, she's just death, and she just kind of lingers. And so I always figured that, I mean, just like in Charles Dickens' uh, classic movie, death doesn't talk. Death just kind of shows you what's going to happen or leads you to your death. This death doesn't shut up. (laughs) 
Yeah, that's true. His death <laughs> just got word ballooned upon death. word ballooned. It's all like blah, blah, blah. I know. Anyways. So, uh, and the, I, wait, before the, I want to point out that the Grandmaster, I probably should have pointed this out earlier, but he looks like he was mocked up to be a villain or some space creature for one of the 60s Twilight Zone episodes. Uh, he probably is a 60s villain. He looks terrible. <laughs> is he a villain I, or is he like one of the entities? Like, I'm pr- I'm pretty sure he's been around okay. in the Marvel universe. But what I mean is, he like a is he like a I'm Fantastic Four. Ooh, you'll get. Or is he like on the Galactus level? Like oh, I am. Yeah, he's like he's like some sort of celestial type guy. He plays cosmic games. So the problem I have, he's like the stranger. All right, fair enough. So the the the, the reason I asked that is because I I used to play Marvel superheroes and I used to have like the handbooks of all the characters and there was a special section in the back where they went through the entities, uh, uh, like Mephisto, Death, Eternity, Celestials. And there's probably a couple of more of them, uh, but this guy was not in that book. <laughs> well, yeah, he's a B level entity. Oh, okay, but he, like there's. Interesting. There was in the back of this issue, there was a whole bunch of uh, notes about all the characters, and they went over all the characters that had died. It was it was kind of interesting. I read some of that. That was I liked it a lot. It was cool. Anyways, uh, so the Grandmaster has a choice. He's one, but that because you can't really bring back somebody from the dead without a trade off. The trade off is he can give up his own life to restore his brother, the Collector. Or he can use the combined life force of the heroes in the room to bring back the the collector. But the Grandmaster is an honest fellow, and he's already promised all the heroes in the room that if he wins, he won't mess with them anymore. So he gives up his own life. The collector shows up. They death and the collector leave. I don't know to go play chess or something. Hmm. Um, and uh, the heroes return to where they left off, and um, huzzah! Hmm. Yeah, done. done and done. Well, there you go. The the but I mean, yeah, for people that can get their hands on this, the the honor roll or the Marvel superheroes lineup through 1982 is pretty interesting. Yeah, you get you get to see some uh, some classic characters, a few that we've covered. Uh, Quasi heroes, you get uh, other worlds, other times. Uh, yeah, lots of good stuff in here. Mimic is referenced see. as a dead X Men or a dead character yeah, from the X Men. Uh, Red Raven also dead. Oh, that's right. Uh, you remember him? He was in an issue of X-Men. I don't actually remember him. Oh, wait. Wait. No, I don't remember him. It was uh, that island that Angel ended up on. It was, it's, it was oh, not very good. Oh, Red Raven, Red Raven, send Angel right over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's something like that. I do. He's actually a classic 1940s character from the era of, like, the original Human Torch and Submariner. Oh, okay. That was brought into the comic because Roy Thomas didn't feel like creating new characters. That's because there was no money in it. We've already covered exactly, that. Exactly, exactly. That's why we and got no, the whole issue oh, of... No ownership. There was no, there was no uh, in, in reason to do it at all. Right. Uh, and that's why we got that whole issue of Villains from Yesteryear. Yeah. <laughs> the Roy Thomas era. Uh, did you read anything else? No, sir. Well, then I think we can cut this off before the two-hour mark. Huzzah! Until next time, everybody, the danger room is closed. One, two, buckle a shoe. Three, four, shut the door. Five, six, seven.